Hello and welcome to the DeFi Jabs podcast, where we unpack the key fundamentals of crypto from the top names in the industry. Hi, Pratik. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Sam. Uh, great great uh, to be here. Uh, and thanks for inviting me. No problem at all. Um, would you give our listeners a quick introduction about yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name is Pratik. Uh, I am working at a company called Covalent. Uh, we are uh, like an API provider uh, for like blockchains and different projects within the ecosystem. Uh, and yeah, I've been working in this ecosystem uh, for the past uh, four or five years now. Uh, started uh, as like working at like, uh, I mean, I mean pr- before I started in blockchains, uh, I was uh, running a marketing agency. And while uh, running that marketing agency, I stumbled upon a podcast episode, uh, uh, I mean, wherein Tim Ferriss interviewed Naval Ravikant and Nick Sabo. Yeah. And, and that basically was uh, my rabbit hole story uh, to get into into crypto uh, <laughs> completely. And, and uh, that's, that's when I thought uh, that, okay, this is it. Uh, this is something that I want to uh, get into. Uh, but I didn't know how I, I could contribute because uh, uh, I, like, myself, I'm not uh, like a computer engineer or like a software person uh, or, or on the tech side of things. But I, uh, up until that point, I had built like marketing campaigns, built communities uh, in, in different uh, business, for different businesses. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and d- during that time, also Naval actually put out a tweet stomp that for this industry to kind of go, uh, like, take the next uh, big leap, uh, you need two kinds of people. One, uh, those who are community driven and, and one who are like tech driven. So I'm, I'm of course not on the tech side of things, but I've done uh, communities and that, that was like, okay, this is how I will contribute uh, to this ecosystem, uh, making sure that, uh, yeah, like uh, evangelize uh, this, uh, like understand about the space and then start evangelizing uh, and then like uh, working with like different projects uh, and then giving them, uh, I don't know, as much as, uh, uh, like eyeballs and so on. So yeah, that's that that's uh, what led me into this space. And ever since I've worked with like multiple uh, projects uh, from like layer one projects to DeFi projects uh, to now working at a like a data uh, company uh, for the whole like crypto ecosystem. Uh, so yeah, and 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 and, and yeah, like it just uh, it, and, and there's there's a lot to kind of. Uh, uh, kind of uh, go into from DeFi to NFTs to DAOs. So yeah, I've, I've uh, I mean, like I've, I've been fortunate enough to kind of experience all of that in the last thirty four years. Yeah, sure. You've had a very very broad career. Um, now, for those who don't know too much about Covalent, would you explain a little bit about what Covalent stands for and maybe a little bit on how it works? Sure. Uh, before diving in, into that, I'll, I'll talk about the problem. Uh, that this right. industry is currently facing. Uh, and that, that's uh, basically what uh, Covalent is trying to solve. So, uh, so if, you, if you look at blockchains inherently, they contain like huge, huge, huge amount of data. And that data, uh, it's, it's very expensive for you to kind of look into it and see 
to it what what exactly is like needed. Uh, the granularity is kind of missing, uh, and uh, if and then it it also takes like skilled like uh, developers and data scientists to kind of kind of get to that uh, or or procure uh, that data. So so like like I said, I mean like these uh, blockchains and and like most of them. Uh, who use the chains? I mean, they're, they're like smart contracts essentially. They hold a lot of uh, data, which is literally like a black box. So, and and like I said, it's not uh, accessible, and and like the events are like visible because it's publicly available for everyone. But like uh, you cannot like really uh, decipher into like okay, what's what's in it and so on. So, so. And then and in the past uh, four or five years, we've seen like a lot of innovation happening in this industry, like different things that have popped up, uh, like again, like talking about events, uh, the 2017-2018 boom uh, to like getting challenges around like uh, DeFi 2018-2019 scalability being one of the issues uh, and then like getting the right data uh, for different things like taxation, accounting, uh, forecasting, financial modeling, uh, growth. Uh, I mean, so so th those type of things. So basically, uh, the data is there, but it's unexplored, or it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's not. There's no visibility to it. So what we are trying to do uh, with uh, Covalent is essentially giving uh, transparency and uh, visibility to that data, and and with. Uh, like we, what we believe is blockchain technology uh, can essentially change the world. Uh, and then, like I said, the potential is not like really fulfilled uh, since the data is not accessible. Uh, but yeah, like we can like, uh, like get the blockchain data and then that can unlock like different possibilities. Uh, and then our vision is to essentially empower like uh, providing like the richest and the most robust uh, data infrastructure for the entire blockchain system ecosystem. Sure. Now we've we, we've touched a little bit on that there, but um, I'm no expert on on APIs. Um, how fundamental do you think that a com comprehensive API network is to the crypto industry as a whole? Uh, I mean, inherently, if if, if we're talking about projects that uh, are starting from scratch, uh, they do need something that they can like get started with. So let's say uh, if someone is building like a DeFi protocol, so, uh, and, and they want to get data off of, and, and these days multi-chain is a thing. So get off of like different chains. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to go uh, to like a blockchain, uh, like let's say Avalanche or Solana, for example, and uh, get the data indexed and so on. So you don't have to do that entire process. So you don't need to have data scientists working on your team who could go and crunch in the uh, data and get that uh, access to the data. All of that job is taken care of by us. We've already indexed uh, data across uh, 15 blockchains and we are adding more blockchains as we speak. Uh, and, and what we are doing is we are making that readily available in one unified API. And that one unified API is what all that particular project would need 
to get the ground uh, like rolling, essentially get get starting uh, with with whatever they need. Like uh, it could be uh, it, it could be a dashboard data, some analysis that they need, some uh, I don't know, like some access around uh, the pricing uh, structure and how it works. So all of that, like uh, wallet uh, data, NFTs. If they want if they want to build something around NFTs, they can do anything. So like literally. The API is again uh, like uh, going into the fundamentals. Uh, so this is and then this is what how I also kind of push. Uh, the API actually works as like a giant, um, like a cuisine. I mean, yeah. and and the API is like the uh, the waiter uh, at at like at like this big restaurant, and yeah. this uh, waiter uh, can make anything for you. Be it like Japanese, Chinese, uh, Indian, Italian, all kinds of food, uh, and then bring bring to your table uh, the way you want. So so that's that's how uh, the API essentially works, and and provides uh, granularity to like different blockchains that are there, and and each and every project who wants to kind of get started, uh, and at, at any stage actually, not just uh, getting started. Wherever uh, they are at, at the stage, uh, <clears throat> they can get started with, with this uh, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, use the API and it's, it's completely free at this point. Now, there'll be a lot of people without a university degree or a university education at all. How relevant do you think it is to make it in this space, to have a university degree? Can people with very little technical knowledge enter the space and be successful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like if you look at the industry, uh, like uh, around what's happening, uh, as long as you have connection to the internet, as long as you have the tools uh, that you can go through and like read docs and like uh, and and get through like different uh, sets of people and even like uh, be active on Twitter, I think sky's the limit uh, for for anyone. Like literally, so uh there they have like i know some like literally teenagers getting in the space without like zero this thing uh knowledge without any knowledge about uh blockchains and uh doing really well for themselves and like building projects that are worth 5 million 10 million uh total value locked uh which is which is uh yeah i mean uh like great in a sense that uh, you don't really need a lot of uh, things under your belt before you get started. You can, as long as you have, uh, like I said, internet access, uh, you, you and, and like handful of uh, like uh, things, tools at your disposal, you, you can just get, get things uh, going. So you don't need to have a degree. Uh, you don't need to have uh, formal education uh, to get into this space. Uh, yes, you do need a little bit of interest uh, as to like where this is going, like understand uh, who these people are and like maybe watch uh, videos on YouTube, uh, listen to podcasts like uh, podcasts like the DeFi Jabs uh, podcast uh, and, and so on. So yeah, that, that's, this is what I essentially did uh, back in 2017 uh, to kind of get, uh, get uh, myself up to speed uh, with this industry. And, and, and yeah, I mean, now I am where I am. How long do you think it took you to get comfortable in the space? Yeah, good question. Uh, so 
yeah, I started my journey around 2016, 17. Uh, it, yeah, it did take me like a year uh, before I could say that, okay, I am now a little comfortable around people. Uh, and then I used to also go to events, so that helped my cause. So that's another uh, thing that uh, you need to keep in mind if, if you are really wanting to get kind of get through a lot of things. So network is uh, like building a network is very important. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, making sure that uh, you like add value in any way you can. So the way I uh, started adding value was through the marketing and community skills that I have. I'm not a technical person. I'm not a programmer. So the only thing that I could add uh, value was through uh, my skills. So, I mean, that's that's what eventually uh, like the, uh, you need to think about. I mean, uh, it, it, it comes down to like what skill sets do you have and how you can add value to this industry. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some fantastic stories of individuals just simply joining a Telegram um, community and becoming active in there. And then you, sl you slowly become noticed in that space and then maybe speak to the, the admins, the organizers, uh, the employees, and then sort of make, make yourself invaluable in that project, offering your opinions and then sort of en enter in that way. It's, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's fascinating this industry because I don't think it's like any other. There are no formal sort of exams to take interviews and all of this sort of stuff it's um it's very fluid and I feel like there's a lot less maybe even discrimination in terms of of academic level um I, I guess if you're there and you add value then the community's more than more than happy to to welcome you in with open arms that is right and and I, that's that's what I've experienced in the past uh, four or five years uh the people in the industry are very welcoming uh, I mean, as long as you genuinely kind of reach out to them and like show that, hey, this is uh, what I'm working on and I need some feedback, uh, they're willing to kind of uh, give you the time and, and make sure uh, that you are also kind of uh, doing the same when, when you reach to a certain level. So, so that's, that's how, uh, I mean, it, it has been. Uh, and and it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, I mean, I, I keep mentioning uh, platforms here, but uh, Twitter uh, for me has been like a game changer. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who's listening and wants to get into the space, wants to do something in the space, you got to, got to be active on Twitter uh, and then like make sure that you have the right, uh, like follow the right people and engage with them and, and make, uh, I mean, like uh, more out of it. Do you think there are maybe and I don't want to speculate too much, but almost, almost secret spaces on Twitter where, um, you know, like the real discussion happens, because obviously there's a lot of a lot of hot air and people claiming to be experts and, you know, huge opinions coming out. I mean, do, <clears throat> do you um, do you sort of recognize any spaces where you think uh, this is like real genuine information for people? Um, so maybe for some of our listeners who want to enter or follow or. I guess, exist in some communities. W would there be any that you would say have been really good to you? Yeah, great question. Uh, and I think uh, one thing that uh, people need to do away with, uh, essentially on Twitter, and there's, there's a lot of, there are different camps. And like you said, I mean, because of those camps, there is a lot of noise uh, also that kind of uh, uh, is on Twitter. 
So what I would like genuinely suggest is do away or or like keep yourself away from all these maximalists. Uh, I mean, and like I mean, and and these maximalists are like in every kind of ecosystem. So within crypto, also there are different like uh, compartments, uh, if I have to say, I mean, like Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana or Avalanche, all these big ecosystems are there and they have their own, I don't know, uh, overloads, uh, so to speak. And and they're the ones who essentially kind of uh, go after like people, uh, also provide that, like, I don't know, like uh, th- there's that negative vibe uh, that you see on, on Twitter uh, and then that comes off of uh, these folks. So, I mean, I would completely avoid people who are just talking in one direction uh, and, and like follow people who are, I mean, of course, uh, I mean, th- there's the choice that you need to make that, okay, if, I, if I'm in crypto that I need to follow something and go with it. But as long as uh, they are, <clears throat> they are making like, uh, I mean, I, mean I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I want to like name names here, but uh, yeah. like just just making sure that yeah you follow the right people and and get uh, the right information uh, from these people and not like go after maximalism. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a sensible um, a sensible point of view. Now, if you don't mind, I want to talk a little bit about NFTs with you. Um, I know you have a fantastic collection. Um, I absolutely love some of them. Um, the NFT market has been flooded in recent months. I mean, the craze took off a while ago now, and a lot of people are trying to get into the game. Um, when you are looking at an NFT, maybe to buy, maybe even just to look at, what, what do you look for? Because there's, there's so much on the market. How do you distinguish uh, a good, maybe even valuable NFT versus something that's, that's trash? Hmm. That's a that's a great question, and uh, <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to ask this question because there are so many different uh, versions of uh, uh, answer like for for this particular question that that may come because like it is very subjective. Uh, like yeah. what I like uh, probably won't be liked uh, by others. Uh, I mean, and there are so many uh, people who come up with like different types of NFTs. So, but yeah, like in a sense. What I look at is like uh, who the artist is behind this NFT project, uh, like uh, the credibility and like looking at uh, the like uh, the art uh, piece itself, uh, if it is uh, worth something, uh, and and like I probably don't want to sell it uh, further. I can I I'll probably just keep it for myself uh, because I want to just appreciate the art uh, that there is. So so that's. That's one thing that I, I definitely look at. And then of course, there are other uh, factors uh, that, that I consider because uh, like because NFTs are driven uh, and then like with value and like there are different things happen uh, to NFTs that are access NFTs as well, wherein uh, as, like if you have access, so if you have an NFT collection or a part of that NFT collection, then you get access to something big. Uh, for example, VFriends uh, from Gary Vaynerchuk is uh, like VFriends essentially is an NFT collection of uh, Gary V's uh, like a bigger conference that he is doing, I think at some point in 2022. 
uh, wherein as long as you hold that NFT, you get access to the conference one and other things that are related. And then that also kind of gives, uh, like gets the value up uh, and, and running. So, so that's, that's uh, one type. So again, you, you do look at uh, the person behind this. So I mean, in, in VFriend's case, it's basically Gary Vaynerchuk, who's already kind of uh, a big name in the industry. So people will go behind the floor. Uh, I mean, basically the, the price at which uh, people uh, sell the NFT is always on the higher side. So, so that's, that's uh, the second thing. And you also look at how, I mean, some of the like the inner, uh, details that you look at is essentially uh, you, you look at what kind of data uh, or how these how much decentralized is this particular project because some of the uh, data is not completely uh, on on the blockchain and some of the data is is on the blockchain so you need to like see uh, how much of it is uh, is on the blockchain uh, or on OpenSea for example or on IPFS which is another like a storage layer uh, uh, in the decentralized world, uh, how much of it that, uh, is is that? So I also look at that. I mean, uh, and uh, at the same time, <clears throat> uh, what the community uh, is talking about that particular project. So that that's important too. So some of these uh, community-oriented projects, like from Board Ape uh, Yacht Club to uh, Cool Cats, uh, to Pudgy Penguins, they are all driven by the community. And then uh, what, what you see today is uh, the amalgamation of what, what has happened to those projects uh, because they were driven by the community. But at the same time, I, I would also kind of refrain from like, getting into those uh, projects who like kind of seem that they, there is some traction and like literally there's no traction at all. Uh, so, so, so yeah, those, those are the kind of projects that I look at again. Uh, I mean, there are more things, but, uh, at the same time, you, you need to make sure that, okay, you are also willing to kind of spend that kind of, uh, uh, sum on those NFTs as well, because some of these, uh, NFTs cost you huge money and, and the minting costs are also on the higher side and, <laughs> Uh, last but not the least, uh, you also need to uh, factor in the gas costs, which is basically the transaction cost uh, for, let's say, buying an NFT or even selling uh, the NFT. So, uh, and then, I mean, if you look at EtherScan today, which is basically like the giant uh, platform where you get uh, the details about uh, all the transactions, uh, the the highest, um, the highest gas uh, like consumer uh, platform today is OpenSea, uh, which is basically an NFT pl platform, like an NFT marketplace. So yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that, that's, that's where it comes down to, uh, making sure you, you uh, factor in all these points and then and look at projects. But inherently we look at uh, the artist behind the project, the person who's behind the project uh, and, and the, their vision uh, and then what they are intending to do with this particular uh, NFT collection or, or project, uh, so to speak. Sure. Now you touched there a lot about community, and your background is in marketing and and building that community. Um, and on that topic, um, I, I briefly want to touch on on DAOs and how they're becoming increasingly trendy and more developed and increasingly part of the crypto conversation. What do you think makes DAOs so special? Um, you know, obviously we have that community element, but 
well, I guess when the community comes together to create something or influence something, do you think that really brings a bit of herd mentality, brings comfort, um, almost as if you're sort of part of a family achieving something? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so basically what, what uh, I see, the way I see DAOs is uh, it's like the next step uh, in the evolution of blockchains. And, and it is like a necessary thing uh, when it comes to the maturity of the industry. Because uh, if, if you look at like the history of DAOs, uh, it goes back to 2014 where Vitalik had written a couple of articles around like uh, decentralized autonomous organizations and DSCs and, and multiple other things that he spoke about. Uh, and then I think there was uh, there were a couple of experiments that happened in 2016, one of which uh, failed badly. And in 2018, then uh, things got picked up from uh, uh, the likes of Moloch DAO and, and Meta Cartel, which also kind of led to like the whole uh, like uh, thing of like incubation and like people coming together and and forming like internet native communities with like built-in governance frameworks uh, and essentially all of that tied into like an execu executable code. So so I think uh, we've come a long way, uh, but I believe uh, this is like the next step uh, and the next uh, evolutionary kind of a. Uh, thing uh, uh, in order to kind of mature uh, as an industry and and uh, essentially that like they have a purposeful call to action to get uh, involved into like the deeper level uh, with uh, people inherently that's that's what we are looking at and and in the purest form uh, they, they are basically uh, transparent uh, every decision every vote every investment is recorded in the blockchain uh, every transaction I mean, like literally everything and, and is made publicly available. So, so I see uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, like I said, it, it is uh, an internet native uh, community uh, aspect that, that I like about DAOs. Uh, and, and at the same time, I mean, it, it, is, uh, it involves people. So it's basically standing at the uh, intersection of uh, uh, communities and, and like, uh, I mean, and, and, uh, internet native uh, audience like uh, people basically sure and final question um and we're going to stay it was staying on DAOs. Can, can they be inefficient with i guess when you have all of those different voices expressing their opinions um is it a drawback of DAOs to have that many people influencing decisions versus you know, um, let's say let's say five or ten founders of a company making executive decisions um, and really pushing the progress through. Do you think DAOs ever will stifle innovation and progress? Yeah, I mean, what, what I think is uh, like in the current scheme of things, uh, it's still like maturing a lot. There are a lot of experimentations happening at this point around DAOs, uh, and and one of the things uh, that like again, this is an emerging, uh, emerging factor that is coming up. Is how can we get everyone on the same page uh, within the DAO, and that being a challenge. Uh, so, like I'm a part of uh, like half a dozen DAOs myself, and I am also actively running a DAO uh, with Covalence uh, Alchemist DAO, which is basically a community and service uh, DAO for Covalent Network. Uh, like one problem and one challenge that we are seeing is to get like to get everyone on the same page even even before going to active governance so governance comes later 
but even before governance uh, it it makes sense to uh, have everyone and and when I say everyone, that number needs to be way, way smaller than people think. Uh, so I'm not even talking about 100 people. So literally starting at 10 or 15 people, wow. wherein you build that culture, you build that uh, uh, like inherent, I don't know, community aspect, and then think of uh, scaling. So that's, that's, that's what I think is, is necessary. Uh, but like I said, it's up for experimentation. There are a lot of experimentations happening, uh, like around DAOs today, and and uh, I mean, and there are different iterations as well coming out. Uh, and and I I do agree to your point as to like it it uh, like too many decision makers uh, would also kind of stifle the growth uh, within DAOs, and and that is very much possible. Uh, but yeah, there are different ways of tackling this. Uh, I mean, may, I mean, like there are there are different uh, camps uh, within uh, this industry who talk about like uh, benevolent uh, governance or benevolent uh, dictator of sorts or 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 an, or an oligarchic uh, kind of a setup, which is uh, kind of. Uh, more inclined towards the social aspect as to like how uh, people are governed and how uh, companies are run and not uh, like how the corporate structures are and how uh, the public companies actually work. So, yeah, I mean, th there's, there's a lot more to experiment there, uh, but yeah, time will tell where this is going. Uh, I mean, at the same time, like uh, it, it is very much important for everyone to uh, see or, or to start small and then uh, see how, how that can be kind of, uh, that can scale in the future and, and evolve from there. Pratik, thank you so much for your time. Um, really, really appreciate it. I uh, hope, you, hope you had some fun and you shared some fantastic insight for our listeners. Um, <laughs> you really do know a lot about a lot. I mean, we covered we covered a lot there, and you you really gave us some some in depth looks and analysis on things. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sam. Uh, yeah, this was great. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Pratik. Cheers.